0: Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Roto-Grinders NBA Morning Grind. It's been a crazy week across the association. It just gets better every day. Man, last night was nuts. Got the Chief on with me on this Friday to culminate the week here. What's up, Chief? How's it going?
1: Nothing much, man. Doing good, man. Always, always glad and a pleasure uh, to come on and uh, talk some NBA hoops. NBA hoops, DFS. Um, I think I've got a sweat going. I'm not quite there yet. You know, we always recap and kind of talk about, you know, what's happening on this slate. And um, obviously, you know, I had a lot of guys asking me about Boban. Um, I think you might have asked me about Boban a little bit as well. You know, you know, we kind of talk offline, which is cool. If you guys don't know, you know, me, me and Justin talk away from here. So I'm not saying we're best friends, but we're on our way. So, uh, at any rate, I, d- I didn't play any Bobon. I didn't make any changes. I uh, didn't feel like going through it. So I guess it ended up working out in my favor. But uh, on today's slate, or yesterday's slate, rather, uh, I locked in three guys that could be on their way to monster performances. Last I checked, Dane was, I think, over 60 fantasy points. He was a lock button, had him 100%. Uh, I've got Harden 100%, who hopefully can get to 60. Uh, last I checked, he was at about 30 in the second. And then I also locked in Michael Porter Jr., uh, who was at 50 the last I checked or somewhere around there. So I've got three guys locked in uh, that might be able to carry me home. You know, I showed you uh, where I was at prior to those games starting. I think I only had one lineup caching, which was fine. And uh, hopefully, man, these guys can carry me to the promised land. But I told them I wasn't going to look while we're on the show. Uh, so you'll have to catch me in, in Discord chat to see uh, how we ended up. But hopefully, hopefully we can have a good night, man. Yeah, we
0: record the night before, typically, and sometimes we get our tenses messed up because I want to pretend it's the morning, uh, try to bring the energy, even though it's late at night, you know, drinking some coffee late, energy drinks, whatever. Uh, try. The days are long, man, but a lot of great stuff today, a lot of great games, a couple late hammers tonight, Portland needing this win tonight. Against the Nuggets, obviously, Lillard's having a really nice game. A lot of popular pieces on both sides of the ball there. Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant carried a ton of ownership after the Millsap news. A lot of news today, last night, whatever you want to call it. A lot of news on Thursday, either way. And there was a lot of ownership in that nuggets Trailblazers game, and rightfully so. Michael Porter Jr., over 50 fans will point, 5,500 he was. When are they going to bump it up, Will?
1: Um I think the next game they'll have him at 8K minimum. And unlike TJ Warren, he's a guy I'll still play at 8K, you know, in, in the right matchup. Now it'll make it a lot tougher because it's going to be sticker shot, but I, I've always felt like he's got a better chance, especially if Murray is out continuously. I feel like he's got a better chance to hit ceilings than TJ Warren on on, in the, in, in, the grand scheme of things. So maybe they'll price them up to 8,500 and really make us think about it. Um, and, and maybe I'll hop off because maybe they'll be playing a tougher team, but overall, I mean, listen, the, the guy's a good player, man. Uh, you just have to give it to the Nuggets organization for drafting him when no one else would with that back issue. Once again, my Charlotte Hornets failed in the draft. Can you imagine if they would have drafted Michael Porter Jr. That year, he was hurt crazy. Good value. Once again, and, and listen, you're a disgruntled Philadelphia fan. I'm a crazy disgruntled Charlotte fan for all these bad draft picks that we've made when that's the only way we can really build our team because free agents aren't coming. Boy, I'm disappointed we didn't take a chance on Michael Porter Jr.
0: 13 other teams also did not, or 12 other, other than, other than Charlotte. Got to tip my cap to Kirkwood, uh, and myself, we were both on Lillard last night as, as a leverage play. Kirkwood said he had the feeling last night that the Dame game was coming. We talked about that Portland's a must win for Portland. They're on the heels of the Grizz. We could see some shuffling around. And you know, y'all are going to wake up and listen to this podcast and know that Dame had over 70 fan duel points. So oh hopefully you had a
1: little bit of Dame. Ooh, I had Dame in all 150. All 150. Oh, man. So, So, sorry, folks. I I know I cut you off. And you know what?
0: Gary Trent's been playing great in the bubble. They're running some more guard stuff. And he's definitely going to crack that playoff rotation. What this kid has really come on over the course of the year. And man, what a nice. Scoring threat off the bench, and when they decide to start him uh, for Terry Stotts and that Portland team. Uh, looks like the Blazers are up six, so they might close that one out. About two minutes left in that game. Just want to give you all an update, especially just for the Chief here, because I know he's got a late push going on. But that was a huge game, Chief. Obviously, the Lakers and the Rockets, and the Lakers and Vogel giving mixed vibes, saying we want to tune up for the playoffs, but we're going to sit LeBron and we're going to sit Caruso. So I'm not really surprised that there were some veterans that sat. I'm surprised that Dwight was actually active today. I thought maybe they'd just kick the tires and let him ride the bench
1: too. Yeah, man. L- last thing I want to add about this Western Conference. And, 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 man, shame on me for not recognizing this a little bit sooner. The Phoenix Suns can get in the playoffs, folks. They, they are – I think they want to win. They have won all of their bubble games – Portland's probably going to win today. We may be st- – and they just beat Portland last night. So, if, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, or they beat them this week, I think. So, we may be on our way to a Phoenix Suns showdown with Portland to try to get this eighth seed. Wouldn't that be crazy if the Phoenix Suns made it back to the playoffs? I'm just going to start praying for Charles Barkley now. I don't need him to have a heart attack. This is amazing. Two of the most
0: exciting teams to watch, in my opinion. We obviously know what the backcourt is in Portland. Getting a guy like Nurkic back who just keeps bringing it. Got some gritty kids like Zach Collins, Gary Trent, of course Phoenix. I'm impressed with how they've gotten it together. They showed flashes pre-COVID of what they're capable of. Dealt with some injuries last couple of seasons. DeAndre Ayton last year, at the beginning of this year, on and off the court. Boy, does he look good now. People forget how young he is. Devin Booker. Man, what is he, 22, 21? Now, Cam Johnson's having a good bubble run. They're getting a nice glimpse of what they're building around for the future. And the list goes on. They got about seven or eight really good young players. Phoenix is fun. They're playing good
1: basketball. Why not? Let's pull for some underdogs. That's what it's all about. Man, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm you know, I'm not really a betting man per se in terms of odds. But if I was a betting man and I check the odds right now for Phoenix to get in the playoffs, I I, I got to feel like they're not as high as Portland. I'd be hammering some 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 Phoenix Suns playoff uh, odds if, if I could find them. I like it. I like it.
0: What else today, Will? Just looking through some games here. Milwaukee and all the heat value, I guess
1: we should touch on that game. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I'm actually thinking we may get it a little bit more. I don't see where um, they're going to rush Jimmy Butler back out or rush Dragic out if they're not really healthy. And obviously we know that the coaches don't like for the players that have rushed, so to speak. But um, I, I got to feel like Miami may rest even a few more players uh, if this doesn't go well. I mean, they're in the fourth seed. They're, they're in the fourth seed right now. Um, Indiana's coming. But I, I don't think – we know that Brooklyn isn't going to catch them. Orlando isn't going to catch them. Um, maybe they run these guys out and maybe they just say, hey, we'll take anything four through six and try to get these guys healthy. You know, if, if they're a four seed, they're playing Indiana. Uh, if they're a six seed, uh, they're, they're playing Boston. So and both of those are tough teams. So, so maybe they're saying, look, let's just get healthy. There's no such thing as home court advantage right now. You know, and, and I, I think maybe that, that might be a, a different coaching strategy that we see as we get to wrap up these bubble games
0: good point will definitely heat bucks i mean just recapping a lot of the value was was pretty good kendrick nunn was pretty good he was okay tyler hero balled out hero carries the highest usage on miami this year when Dragic and butler are out at the same time i wrote about that in our expert survey a lot of good input in that expert survey you're part of it frequently i'm part of it you know the rest of the crew it's a really nice way to get convenient and easy access information from a lot of good minds in the industry that we have. I talked about Porzingis on it today and he had a great game. Uh, so I, I was pretty happy with, uh, with most calls on this slate. Uh, Boban news late. Listen, he played six minutes. I think Zubak might've been perfect from the floor. I have to look it up. I have to look it up. Incredible and, game by him, but just incredible. Ten of 10, 21 and 15 for Zubak. Boban played six minutes. That's it. The announcers kept saying, wow, Zubac is crushing on the offensive glass. That's the reason, that's the reason why the Clippers are ahead in this game. Uh, In the third quarter, they interviewed Rick Carlisle and the, and you could tell, I forget the TNT reporter was, was like baiting him to be like, where the hell's Boban, Rick Carlisle. And Rick Carlisle literally said on national TV, we have a distinct physical disadvantage at many positions and plug in the seven two seven five 2 7 whatever, 8 million feet tall, 350-pound guy you have in the middle, doesn't have to jump to dunk. I don't know. Maybe get away from Maxi on the stretch five. So uh, that was crazy. But listen, folks, I did burn one of my lines with Boban, and his ownership was about 20% on DraftKings with that late swap. But Ooh. you have to know what you're signing up for. It doesn't matter who's Boban's playing for at this point. He doesn't get playing time. Weird stuff just happens whenever he enters the fantasy conversation. He has a floor of zero. He literally might not play, and he's got a ceiling of, like, 50 because the last game he started this year, I think he had, like, 30 and 17. So I chased the upside like a complete idiot, but you know the risk you're signing up for for Boba Maranovic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously I was on the team where – uh, I didn't let the news sway me. I didn't play any Boban. But like I said, I understood that, hey, he could, like you said, he could go out. I was banking on him not burning me today, and that ended up happening. So, hey, it it like you said, it is what it is. You, you have to know what you're signing up for. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go crazy on Boban. I threw
0: him in one uh, larger field kind of GPP thing, but – yeah, he has the upside, but you know, buyer beware. And there are some people that will just always fall for the trap. It's like, it's like a broken record. But you know what? I'm I'm, I'm really curious to see kind of the post game press conference and just hear some chatter on that Dallas side of Twitter. With Go out of, you're going out of the way to start the guy, play six minutes. It was a close guy. Ca- you know what? Uh, that's why Co- Coach Carlisle gets paid the big bucks, and here I am playing duel. but you know, I might be able to make his salary once in a while and on a really good season if I'm fortunate enough to. Anyway, there enough on go. Boban. That, that's in the past. Big slate of games on Friday to wrap up this work week. Listen, this game's not on the slate, but Utah's benching all their starters, and that might be a common theme where we're going to see some rest days and some other stuff happen. Both sites were, uh, I would say, nice enough or intelligent enough to exclude that one o'clock game with Utah from both slates. So that makes things a lot less volatile. What are your thoughts, Will?
1: Yeah, man, I love it. Um, I love it starting at four. Um, Like you said, you know, getting that one game. Because I think it's more fair to the players. It gives us an extra two and a half hours to capture more news. And I think we saw the benefits of that on this particular slate. As the day progressed, more and more injury news came out. Even as the slate had already started, you got the Boban news and you got the Caruso news and you got the Westbrook news in terms of a confirmation. So I, I think it's more fair to the players to X that early game out and just let us start at four o'clock and hopefully we'll have enough news to make informed decisions. Good
0: point, for sure. And the first game of this Friday card is is a doozy, as they say. OKC and Memphis. Memphis is just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. No triple J. That stinks, but that puts some other guys in in higher usage situations. And in Memphis's last game the other day, Dylan Brooks was chucking. We know he has the green light. Now it's really, really, really green. I think I talked about Dylan Brooks every day on this pod. Uh, he had 24, like 24 DKP in the first half, and I think he ended up with 27 because he got in foul trouble. But we saw Moran continue to be aggressive without Triple J. Brandon Clark, you know, he kind of flopped. He played some of that stretch four and when he, when he played for Valentinus, I think his first really good game under the bubble, Val was in foul trouble, and Clark played some five. So I'm not sure. I mean, obviously the upsides there with Brandon Clark, he was forced to kind of stay on the perimeter a lot with Royce O'Neal, uh, and he spread things out on the offensive side of the ball too. So I don't know if that plays a part in it. I mean, he still has killer upside if he's anywhere, you know, between four and 5K. What's Brandon – I know you're a Brandon Clark guy. What is he on FanDuel over there? We're, we'll start with him. Yeah, man.
1: Let's start with Brandon Clark. Uh, he's $5,900. they have really priced him up even after a bad performance because of his his new role. And, and I think that's that's all it is. When you look at the price, 5900 Played 27 minutes against Utah. Uh, I got to think he, he could possibly get around 30 minutes. I do think this may be a little high um, to, to take a flyer on him against OKC. If they were playing Washington or Brooklyn or something like that, I feel a lot more comfortable at a fifty nine hundred on FanDuel, but uh, playing OKC, I, I don't think I'm going to have any Brandon Clark, and if he goes off for forty, then uh, he'll just have to beat me that way. But I, I won't have any any Brandon Clark. Uh, I'll try to cover a couple more FanDuel pieces as well for Memphis since we're already here. Uh, JV is 7,500. I think JV is always in tournament consideration uh, just because we know he has uh, the 50-point upside. He's not going to hit it every time. Uh, he played 33 minutes against Utah, which is really good, stayed out of foul trouble. Uh, so maybe he can get a few, you know, stay around 30 to 32 minutes uh, and, and possibly put up a good score here. So he's a guy, uh, never cash game viable, but for tournaments, I think, you always want to get a sprinkle because he's never high on like, you know, so you don't have to play him at 40%. You just, you know, get him around 10, 15%. And uh, if he, if he hits for you, then you're good. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I think, uh, you know, I think we can, can can continue to play him. And of course, John Moran at 7,700 really like that price. I think as long as he stays in that mid 7k range. I think he's a guy that we can invest in. And then we've got us a value play here. Probably not the one we're we're thinking about. But Kyle Anderson played really well that last game. And I think he's going to continue to play as well with Jaron Jackson out 4,300 played 30 minutes. Uh, Slow-mo is what they call him. Kind of a stat sheet stuffer. And then we've got our next value here, Grayson Allen, the guy they bring out Uh, to basically just kind of, you know, chuck and run back down the court and play some defense. So uh, he's had 15 points, 17 points, and 20 points in the last three games. Um, so I think at 3,800, he's value. He doesn't really have much of a ceiling, I don't think. Um, but I think he can go out and get you 20 to 25 fantasy points if you need salary relief. Yeah, make a lot of good
0: points there, Will. OKC okay, side of things, I just want to touch on some DK stuff. A lot of people fall in love with Dort, and I get it. His last three games, he's played 30 minutes, 36 minutes, 32 minutes, a no shooter over the last two, which is nice. He's shot the ball a total of 24 times the last two games. He's uh, went for the last three games in the bubble. Dort has gone 14 DK points, 19 and 20, and he's 3,500. So I think he's actually priced pretty accurately. Here's the thing with Dort. He averages under a fantasy point per minute. So he's going to run until the tires need to change. But he's really not going to do much. You're going to have to get lucky to kind of get seven, eight times value out of him. People play him, though, because he runs. And I get it. And maybe you will. And you know what, Will? This is a game that's going to be at a very high pace. So you might get some garbage points out of this. There's going to be some extra misses, some extra possessions, uh, and a little bit of sloppiness there, especially with how young and athletic Memphis is. So I'm not totally discounting Dort here. Another guy in OKC I like per dollar on DraftKings a lot is Danilo Gallinari. A couple of us wrote about him at RG uh, during the last slate when Schroeder was out. Not much has really changed. He gets about a 2% usage bump uh, without Schroeder. And he has been really consistent in the bubble. Uh, You know, he's going to get his shots up. Schroeder is one less high usage guy on that team. You know, Schroeder is a, a guy who shoots the ball 12 or 13 times a game, sometimes more. So Gallinari usually floats in that 5K range. Sometimes he's more depending on what's going on during the season, but without Schroeder in that Memphis game, you know, if he's going to play 28 to 32 minutes, probably, uh, I like Gallinari on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a good play. I mean, on FanDuel, you know, we've got these guys. Steven Adams, 5,900. Uh, hasn't been playing really well, but I think that's I think that could be okay. Well, one guy I think you may want to get some light exposure to, and I do mean light because he's not going to be high on. This could be a Nerlens-Noel let me get 30 points in 17 minutes type of game. So I'm, I'm saying a sprinkle. If you're multi and you're running 150, maybe you get him at like 5%, 6%, something like that. Um, he's 4,200 on FanDuel. I definitely think he's overpriced because, he, you know, he doesn't play a whole lot. But this just – this could be a game where he could get there in limited minutes and you kind of have a a, a – a, a, a cheap guy that can get you thirty very quickly. So just, I just want to point that out. Other than that, you know, we got uh, Shea SGA priced at seventy five hundred and Chris Paul priced at seventy eight hundred. If these guys play, uh, I like both of them in this game. I mean, we've just seen Memphis games be a track meet, so I, I really like both of these guys at, at very fair prices.
0: Yeah, a couple other notes in that game over here on DK SGA is sixty eight hundred on DK, a little bit cheaper. Like him a lot in that pace. He was only three for 11 from the floor. And he had 13, seven and five. So Uh, I'm impressed with with SGA. He's scored at least 33 DKP in every game in the bubble. Not setting the world on fire, but he's got killer upside. He'll have those 50-point games. So if you're going to give me a floor of of 36, 33, and 36, and here's the thing. Those games were against Utah, Denver, and L.A. Three teams that are pretty defensive-oriented when everybody's on the floor. They play at a boring pace. So I like I – think, I think SGA you can see 40 to 45 tomorrow uh, DKP-wise. Uh, another guy in this game is – obviously we got to talk about Ja. He's 8.5 on DK and up another 500 from his previous game. Man, and he has just been playing some elite basketball in the bubble. We both know that. He's going to see some Chris Paul unless we hear some news or something like that. But I'm pretty sure Chris Paul is going to be a full go. So I don't think Ja's going to be my first guy in – for me, he's more of a contrarian ish play. I know it's a five game slate, so everybody's going to carry ownership, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to run to plug him in first at 8,500.
1: I don't think. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, like I said, I still, you know, if if you hadn't noticed, listeners, I'm I'm kind of going to we're, we're trying something a little new, taking you behind the paywall. I'm going to try to do some Fanduel stuff, and, and Justin's going to try to do some DK stuff. And just kind of let us know. I mean, Justin's going to – he's going to tweet it out. Just let us know how you like the format. We're just trying to get in a good groove to give you guys some good content. Uh, Once again, you know, Josh, 7,700 on FanDuel. I think he's definitely in play. But I'm with you at 8,500 on DK. Definitely is going to make you pause and think a bit. For sure, and his usage is so high that I wouldn't be shocked
0: if he went for 50-plus. I just don't think this is the matchup I'm going to chase it in. On the flip side, I will say that Memphis needs this game badly, about as much as Portland needed this game that they just played against Denver Nuggets. So maybe he will take a little more initiative. You know, There's some stuff that you're not going to find in the number crunching. You're not going to find in analytics. There's some things you know, in the game of basketball, there's some things that don't show up in the box score. You got to see the eye test. You got to listen to hints that beat reporters are are dropping from coaches and their press conferences. You know, there's ways to kind of get creative. I'm not saying get stupid, but, you need to think outside a little of the box a little bit. And if that means kind of digging for some extra stuff or, you know, we talked with Kirkwood last night about revenge game narratives and, you know, I don't, I don't live and die by narratives, but yes, I think there's a little something extra when players are going up against their old teams in the NBA, that if I'm kind of completely torn between choosing one or the other, I might give the edge to the revenge game narrative here or there. So one of those things like really needing a game uh, you might see six or seven extra shots out of jaw he might say all right dylan take the back seat put the gun in the holster we know you like to chuck at your like 38 percent clip you lit it up at oregon this ain't the pack 12 anymore dylan brooks so it's possible we <laughs> see a little more jaw tomorrow i will say that they need this game will
1: yeah for sure I- i'm with you 100 percent.
0: let's move on what do you got next on the slate on your screen over there
1: Here we go. We got Sacramento at Brooklyn. I'm definitely going to touch on the Sacramento side because I'm going to be honest with you folks. I'm really scared of the Brooklyn Nets in this game. They could end up sitting bodies again. I guess I'll touch on that before we kick it off, but we've already got Uh, Joe Joe Harris is questionable again we've got Jared Allen that's questionable and so if those two guys don't play then that's going to drastically change this team Karras Levert's probably going to carry even more usage however he won't really have as much talent around him but I do think they're going to come out and play hard let's get to the Sacramento Kings Um, we're looking here obviously we we feel like their best player at the moment because of the guys that are out is De'Aaron Fox he's up to 8k now which I think is definitely going to make you think about whether or not you really want to play him, has had three huge games uh, in terms of fan duel points since they've been in the bubble, 54, uh, 49 against Dallas, 57 against New Orleans, Uh, and is playing really heavy minutes, played 37 minutes, 38, and 37 minutes in those really big games, had one blowout against Orlando, didn't play as well. Obviously, this is a spot where he could light it up quickly. At 8K, I do think um, he's up there, but I think with these recent performances and what he's doing in the bubble, Uh, You definitely want to consider him. Something else I want to point out, too, Bogdanovich has been playing big minutes in the bubble. 31 at San Antonio, 31 against Orlando, 20 against Dallas, and then 37 against New Orleans. I think he's a really good value play here uh, for this particular slate. And then we've got Rashawn Holmes, once again, at 5,500. I guess we keep waiting for Rashawn Holmes' explosion game. Maybe we'll get it in this one. I was encouraged to see that he played 32 minutes against New Orleans. So if he's going to get the minutes, I don't mind playing him. Um, and then B-Elites has been playing as well. So those are the guys I kind of want to touch on. Um, I'm just kind of shying away from Harrison Barnes unless I just really need some value. He's got – that's always going to play the minutes, but uh, very low ceiling and almost kind of – I don't want to say low floor, but very stable. So you're not going to get much upside – uh, but you know he's gonna be on the floor and take a few shots.
0: In the most twenty twenty thing ever, and I don't I'm not sure if it's possible to have a recency bias from two games ago, but since everybody's cramming so many games in get at the in the bubble, a couple games ago Bogdanovich started out over thirteen from the floor, his price tag was fifty two hundred. He was a great value, he shot the ball fifteen times, he ended up going one for fifteen from the floor and burnt about a fifth of the DFS players in the industry on that night. So, what happens? It's 2020. What do you think happens? He comes out the next game, plays 37 minutes, shoots about 66% from the floor, and drops almost a 50 burger on DK because why not? That's exactly what it is. Go to back to the guys with the opportunity. That game was not on main slate. So it is possible there is still a little bit of re- – was not on main slate against the Pelicans. So it is possible there is still a bit of uh, bad taste in, in some DFS players' mouths from the last game. I will go back to Bogdan at 5,100 with, with the usage he's seeing. Everybody has a bad game. Look at poor Zingis last night. The game before this, he dropped a dud. He was over 7 from 3. He had a little bit of foul trouble. What is that? That's volatility. That's why they play the game, as they say. It's going to happen. 5,100 for Bogdanovich. I think he has a high floor. He could go for 15 from the floor. Who knows? It's the NBA. These things happen. But I'm looking at that price and I'm thinking, man, I'm probably going to try to pencil him in and see how I can work him in there. Another guy that I'll just keep playing, keep playing at 7,100 on DK. Don't know what he is on FanDuel, but Karis LaVert is 7,100. People are – if you're looking at the box scores and your game log hunting, you're going to see you played like mid-20s last game, but they got absolutely destroyed by Boston without Kimba Walker, might I add you. So this game should be competitive because I don't think both teams are really good right now. They're very young. Karis Levert, 7,100, should be a high floor, especially if you take Jared Allen out, especially if you take Joe Harris out. I guess I'd be a little worried that maybe someone would blow them out. But if you're asking for the best possible scenario, how about a team as volatile as the Kings who seem to play down to their competition all the time, that this game could be competitively bad, but in a good way for for guys like uh, Karis Levert and and De'Aaron Fox at 7,600. All these guys I'm interested in for sure at those prices.
1: Yeah, man. And look, we're talking about the Kings. They are another team that's in the hunt here and they really can't afford to lose. They won that last game. But the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Grizzlies, they're all really tight. And now we've got four games left for most of these teams. So uh, we're going to see this team, I think, come out and fight. So if you're thinking about it from a DFS perspective, the Kings can't afford to sit anybody. Portland can't afford to sit anybody. Memphis can't afford to sit anybody. The Pelicans, depending on how these next this next game goes, maybe they can't afford to sit anybody. So these teams that you see, Memphis, Portland, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, these teams are going to play incredibly hard because essentially in, in terms of the percentage, they all have a chance to get in. Uh, and I'm saying that to say I think they come out and try to take care of business tomorrow against Brooklyn. I've already said I'm really afraid of Brooklyn here. Um, if Jared Allen sits and, and Joe Harris sits, obviously we're going to get, uh, some Rodion Karooks. We might get a little bit of, uh, Don's That's Don's non mute Musa that's make a little, right
0: there. Let's get some good enunciation right there. Will.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Make it a little bit of Dante Hall. Uh, there's just a plethora of guys. And now all of these guys are still under 4k get your Garrett temple, Oh, your Timothy Lawawa Cabrero. All these guys are still (laughs) under 4K. uh, Chris Chioza is at 3,700. I just, we've got to see what happens. But if these guys sit, maybe we get a little bit of value from these guys. Karis Levert can't make all the shots. So somebody else is going to have to take a few. Timothy Lawawa, wow. I'm
0: just going to go with TLC. But I will add that if Joe Harris is out, I do think he'll probably play about 25 minutes. Jamal Crawford's still on the shelf. And 4,300 for TLC under normal circumstances, I'm like, oh, no. But it's possible that with no Joe Harris, you know, maybe Jared Allen's out too, just a couple more bodies left in the rotation, that he's been playing pretty well when he's been on the floor, regardless of how many minutes he's seen. So he's a guy um, you know, maybe last one in if there's no Joe Harris and you're in a bigger field GPP and you want to get a, a little more risky than – you can consider TLC. So good, good pronunciation, man. I gave you an A plus for that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, I'll go with TLC the rest of the way. (laughs) Well, let me ask you
0: something. I know you've been playing DFS for a while. I'm sure you've played annual leagues. Do you ever play any
1: best ball? Yeah, man. I've definitely played some best ball, uh, and I I just think best ball is really great because it's like the best of both worlds. It's like DFS combined with season long. Um, I mean, that get any better than that. If you're, if you're really considering season long, best ball is, it's just great. It's just great. There's this new site called
0: underdog fantasy, man. And Draft.com is no more, and a lot of people were upset about that. There's a market for best ball. So, this group, this crew of, of underdog fantasy sports, some of the best minds behind the draft app are associated with underdog fantasy. They got best ball. Check out underdog fantasy sports. Well, if you haven't already, I'm sure you have. They got this crazy $1 million prize pool tournament, $25 entry just. Similar to the structure that draft had. Uh, and that's a lot of fun, man. You set it and forget it. The thing about best ball is you don't have to set your lineup the whole year. There's no waivers. You draft a good amount of rounds. That way you have extra players and bench players. So a lot of volatility in that. It's fun, you know, it's fun to watch your team and not have to worry about it. It's stress-free for the season. Underdog fantasy. They got apps uh on android and apple man so they got something for everything i you know i might even do a couple this weekend have a couple beers hang out you know, if my
1: nba team stink i'll just do some best ball but hopefully that's not the case yeah man we don't want your teams to stink uh we want them to smell really good we want you to ride <laughs> to the money so <laughs> but uh yeah man yeah i've definitely heard about it and i think we're going to have some some live shows just kind of drafting and Uh, perhaps I'll be able to to squeeze in on one of those, but yeah, it should be a good time.
0: No, no, things have been pretty good. Our our NBA team has been really, really good. You know, there's obviously a lot of craziness going on in the bubble, but I I love what our guys do at RG. I I think we have the best analysts in the industry. We got the best tools in the industry. Everybody brings a nice, fresh perspective to the table. There's a million ways you can look at a game or, or a player, so it's really nice to take everyone's perspective into account and you don't have to listen to them and you don't have to think they're right, but just throwing it on the table to hear you know, a different reason to play someone or a different angle to a game. I think it's nice to kind of take all the information that you can and Roto Grinders has the best info in the industry and, and kind of
1: use it towards your advantage. Yeah, for sure, man. I uh, love working here. I, I I can't say it enough. Uh, you know, just, a, just a great group of guys, and uh, g- glad to be a part of the team for sure. So uh, I- I- I'm excited to be here, man. Philly and Orlando, Will. Ben Simmons.
0: Ooh. I'm a little upset. You know, Sixers guy here. Still no clarification or a timetable on him. A lot of tweets I saw said Brett Brown was really upset, so that's not usually a good sign. So, but for DFS, that obviously opens up the window for some value and some usage bumps there, so... Whenever Ben Simmons doesn't play
1: and he's not going to play against
0: Orlando Friday night, what are you thinking?
1: Well, the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, where's all his his usage going to go? Who's going to be the person that maybe takes a few extra shots? Because obviously we know Joel Embiid, his role on this team isn't going to change. I think one guy that we can kind of pencil in for maybe a few more, and I know it doesn't look like it on paper, But I think Tobias Harris, he's already playing about 35 to 38 minutes most games. I think he's going to get his in. Josh Richardson on paper, it shows that his usage goes way down with these guys up to four. And his fantasy points are about .61. I'm going to try to ignore that. I got to feel like Josh Richardson in this bubble is going to pick it up. Um, And then, you know, we've got Shake Milton now who, while he isn't averaging a lot of fantasy points per minute, he's in a totally different role. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to think through with this process. Well, then I go and look at the salaries. Obviously, we know Embiid is at the top of the list. Uh, Embiid is 9800 I think it's a fair price. But I really like Shake Milton on FanDuel at 4700 I think this is a an exceptional price for him. We've got Josh Richardson at 48 I think those are two values. One guy I've got my eye on is Alec Burks. Is he going to get – a few more minutes off of the bench now that Ben Simmons isn't there and maybe they need a little bit more scoring point. So maybe he can, if he can start getting consistent 20 to 22 minutes at 3,500, I think on FanDuel in terms of mass multi-entry play, I think you get a touch. A, a, a little bit of exposure to him. I think he's a really good play. Uh, and then Al Horford is the last guy I'm going to wrap this thing up with on FanDuel. 4800 for him. I think it's a really good value, especially if he's going to be playing about 30 minutes. No, he didn't really play well in 30 minutes the last game. But I got to think Al is going to come out and try to put together a respectable performance. So uh, I like Al Horford at 4800 I mean, He's not a lock button, but I definitely think you'll want to get some exposure.
0: I agree. And the Shake Milton thing, you know, Ben Simmons playing power forward, quote unquote, was kind of a formality because he still handled the ball quite a bit. So I think Shake Milton, very young player, might have been a little confused with his role. When Jimmy Butler and Al Horford arrived, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, when Jimmy Butler arrived a couple of seasons ago now, well, a year and a half ago, he said he didn't know where the leadership was on that team or he was confused at what his role was. And that's not what you want to hear from a player coming into an organization. You're gonna tell Shake Milton, who's what, twenty-two, whatever years old that he's gonna be the point guard, but we're still gonna let Simmons run it up, you know, half the game. And that's what's happening. Shake Milton's not a spot up three guy standing in the corner. Shake Milton needs the ball with his hands. Shaq Milton can run the pick and roll with Joel Embiid, and that's not a luxury that you can run with Ben Simmons. And we saw that last year because Brett Brown basically had to scheme his entire offense with dribble handoffs with J.J. Redick and Joel Embiid. It was the most pathetic half-court offense I've ever seen because you can't run the pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid because he won't shoot the ball. He'll shoot the ball in scrimmages and in practice, but he won't shoot in a game. Not yet anyway. And that's okay because he's still a top 20 player in the NBA and he has upside with a jump shot to maybe be top five one day, maybe with a jump shot. That's a big like asterisk. So you, I can honestly make this argument that for Embiid and shake Milton, that helps. No Ben Simmons really helps shake Milton for sure. The ball's going to be in his hands. He can run the pick and roll. You have to honor Embiid. So I like shake. I don't know what he is on Fanduel. Will what do you got, Shake Milton at over there? Yeah, Shake, forty seven
1: hundred. I mean,
0: priced very well. I, I like him a lot. I like him a lot more there. He's fifty eight hundred on DK. Uh, don't hate it though, but uh, you know, f- under five K for me. I- I'm thinking about Shake Milton. Uh, these guards on Philly, you know, obviously they're all going to get boost. Josh Richardson, five K flat with the aggressive DK pricing. That that's a price you want to you want to think. Wow, yeah, five X. 5X- he can probably hit 5X, which is kind of generally what it seems like the pricing is correlated to. Um, God, 5, 5K for J Rich, I mean, that, that's 7X upside. And, you know, I wouldn't be completely shocked if he had 35 DraftKings points one of these games. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this is opening up. Uh, with no Ben Simmons, that opens up a lot of things, for sure. Tobias Harris, he's uh, in the 8Ks here on DK. So, um, you know, talk about revenge game. Here's one of them. Orlando, he was with them when he was young for a while, before the Clippers uh, and before Detroit. He's been around already for for a kid who's still in his mid-20s. But there's a little something extra. He's going to get a usage bump, too. He's been playing pretty well. Um, That's a pretty steep price on DK. But what I'm saying is here that it stinks as a fan. It it stinks for the Sixers. But DFS-wise, there's going to be players that are going to thrive now in in new opportunities. You can say the same thing for Orlando, Will. Unfortunate injuries for Orlando – Jonathan Isaac, and now Aaron Gordon, who knows how long he's out for. So now uh, we're talking, uh, my theme has been wings, scoring wings, any kind of wings, random wing players have been lighting up the Sixers. We saw what Rudy Gay, we saw it with DeMar DeRozan. Troy Brown was pretty good the other day. Uh, And this day's back until for a year or two with these, with these wings having success against Philly. Now I'm looking at a guy like James Ennis, another revenge game from last year, uh, under 4K, very popular value a couple slates ago. Uh, and now Aaron Gordon's out. He was popular with Aaron Gordon. He's going to be pretty chalky. And the Sixers, they give up some points. And, and usually it's wings that are doing the damage. So I think for sure James Ennis is a value play. And Evan Fournier usually doesn't scratch the itch, doesn't have that crazy upside. Um, but for me, he's kind of like Dylan Brooks because when he gets hot, he gets hot. Uh, except Fournier doesn't chuck as much as Dylan Brooks does. I'm not sure anyone does, but at 53, without Aaron Gordon, without Jonathan Isaac, I don't need to see court IQ to know that there's a usage bump there, uh, you know, without those two uh, last six games against Philly. Fournier has gone for totals of 12, 21. Okay. 36, 39, 34 and 45. So you know he had a bad game a third of the time, but man, if you're going to give me a high thirties total out of Evan Fournier tomorrow on this slate, I'm going to
1: take my chances. Yeah, for sure. And listen, these guards uh, from Orlando are extremely cheap on FanDuel. Uh, I mean, we saw DJ Augustine get a price decrease. He's now thirty nine hundred with Michael Carter Williams. Probably going to sit. Uh, Markel Fultz, another revenge game. <laughs> uh, this this could be a big game for him. I, I like Terrence Ross in, in this matchup. No no Gordon, maybe, just maybe an outside chance if this game stays close. Terrence Ross played 31 minutes against Toronto. If we're going to be getting 30 to 35 minutes of Terrence Ross, it's anywhere in that range, I'm all aboard, man, uh, especially in this matchup. He may have to play a little bit more because of the injuries. I, I think Terrence Ross is a phenomenal play. Evan Fournier, fifty-two hundred on, on FanDuel. I, I think he's another great play. And like you said, James Ennis has already been playing. Seems like uh, Orlando is a little brother of Philly. They just keep accepting all their unwanted players. The only one they didn't take seems like is uh, is uh, Jimmy Butler, who was in Miami, uh, but close, close. He's in Florida. So, I, I, but I, yeah, I really like these value guys. Uh, I think I think you're onto something here. I wish they'd cut the, the leash off
0: Markel Foltz's l- limits here. You know, big revenge game. One of the biggest if we're talking, but he hasn't played over 23 minutes and uh, I doubt it'll happen tomorrow. He's under 5K. You know, DJ Augustine, 4,400 on DK. He's in play, you know, 4,400. You know, he could go for six times value easy. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen tomorrow, but uh, you know, defensively, Ben Simmons, the, having him off the court, that, that's probably where where the biggest impact is uh, he's long, he's athletic, he disrupts things. He's a guy who can switch off any of those ball screens and guard pretty much anybody. Sixers don't have that anymore. So I think there's a lot of DFS interest in this game, especially now without Ben Simmons. But uh, we, got, we got a couple more games we got to cover here. Another one that's going to be fast <laughs> and another team that needs to win against a team that is pretty much treating this as Summer League is New Orleans and the Wizards. What's your, what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I'll, I'll go ahead and cover Washington. Uh, so Thomas Bryant is just on a tear right now. If, if we haven't been paying attention and I'm sure we have uh, over 40 fantasy points, the last three games has hit 50 or more, two out of those last three. Uh, and this is another spot where he could go nuclear if they keep the game close, which they may be able to. Uh, so I, I really like him. Troy Brown is at 5,800 on fan duel. Uh, I, I, in this matchup, I don't mind a sprinkle of Troy Brown at 5,800. I hopped off what, you know, I played him every time he was around that 4,500 range. As soon as they priced him above 5k, I kind of hopped off in this particular matchup though, at 5,800. I don't hate it. I think this is a spot where, you know, if it's up and down enough, he could really do some damage here. So, Uh, He's a guy I'll probably have some exposure to on FanDuel. And then, of course, you got the Ish and Napier experiment. Which one of these guys is going to start, I don't know. But it seems like Ish uh, may be a little bit more stable than Napier. And now Napier's price is starting to plummet. So I I wish I could play Napier, but we're just not seeing the upside in the bubble. So I think – it's just more safe. Jerome Robinson is a guy that seems to be trying to take off. He's played 27, 28, and 29 minutes the last three games, uh, uh, 31 minutes before that. Maybe they're starting to extend his leash. Uh, he's 4,500. I think he's a flyer in this spot. I definitely think you can get light exposure. Uh, I know I didn't talk about Rui Hachimura. He's 5,900 on FanDuel. Uh, played 38 minutes against Philly, but the production is just not there for Hachimura right now. And I'm not saying we need to hop off the train, but I'm saying maybe we reduce uh, our exposure. I've been going back to Hachimura for for too long. I know we
0: love going back to the guys, but uh, I think I'm hopping off and I think I'm going to Well, wait get for ready
1: it. for 50 tomorrow.
0: I think I'm going to take the next train to go home off that one. With Thomas Bryant's usage increasing, maybe he just doesn't know really where he fits in right now with the way that team's running. It's possible that Thomas Bryant's never been this aggressive. He's shown flashes, but he always had Brad Beal. He always had John Wall. You know, he had Otto Porter last year. There was always he was always the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth option. But now he's really he looks confident, different player in Thomas Bryant. I was surprised he played so well against Embiid. Uh, He had a a really nice bump in his tag. That's what I needed to see from him. I needed to see him in a tough matchup and we saw it. So, so I'm okay with Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown jr. 55 on DK. Obviously we know the pricing is more aggressive over there typically. So I love Troy Brown at 55 in that matchup Uh, did some reading, did some homework and it Scott Brooks said in a presser, he wanted to play Troy Brown jr. At point guard for a full game. One of these games in a bubble, he played a little bit of point. Against the Sixers, against the Pacers, he, a couple games ago he played the last six minutes at point. This could be the game he gets the ball in his hands more. We're talking about the Ish and Napier experiment. Doesn't really seem like either one's working out. Napier's been pretty bad, and Ish is thirty-two, so I don't think he's going to be on the on the you know not building for the future of this Smith. Obviously, Napier's three or four years younger, and he has upside if he gets his shots. Uh, But I think there's plenty of reason on DK to go back to Troy Brown. He's averaged 13 shots a game in the last three. He's played over 35 minutes. And uh, I think there's a chance this game's competitive. I I don't even have to look. I know the the Vegas totals are probably pretty high because they're both pretty high paced. Um, New Orleans needs this game now. So I guess there's a chance they put the hammer down. But this will be a pretty popular game for DFS purposes. I love what you said about Robinson. He's a kid. They're trying to work in more. Like I said, they're treating this as a summer league. That's what the consensus is. And he's a bucket. Not a lot of people know about this kid. Now, a little bit score independent, but he's under 5k on DraftKings. He's shooting guard and small forward eligible with helps you know, helps you move some pieces around. So I, I do like you know price-wise in that game on the Wizards, I like Troy Brown and I like Robinson quite a bit. You know, you look at Thomas Bryant, 7,200. I, I don't know. He keeps he keeps on and he keeps trucking along, so gotta consider him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like I said, I, I think at this point if we're going to keep getting this type of performance from Thomas Bryant in the bubble, I think we just ride it out. Uh, the price I think is still fair under 8K. Uh, like I said, 70, 700 on FanDuel. Uh, I, I like the price. I'm just I'm, – I'm, I may not have heavy exposure. Uh, like I, I'm not sure if he'll be my highest owned center, but uh, I, I'm definitely going to have some exposure and just, you know, if he hits 50, then, then great.
0: The thing about the Pelicans is, yeah, they play in a lot of high Vegas totals. You don't always know where the usage is coming from, especially with Zion. Zion really disrupts all, you know, he's getting his when he's in the game, man. He's playing like 20 minutes a game, and he's he's shooting double-digit shot attempts every game. Uh, let's see what he got here, just for the sake of it. 21 times against Memphis he shot, 9 of 21 from the floor in 25 minutes. Uh, and last game against Sacramento, he was 10 of 12, really efficient 22 minutes. Uh, and he had 24 real points. Talk about efficiency. That's absurd. And this kid's, what, 20 years old? Look out, NBA. Yes. Look out, NBA. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. And here's, here's the deal. As much as I love this game and as much as I think this game could be explosive, I have to realize that Zion playing minutes in the 20s really affects these other New Orleans guys. Like Brandon Ingram doesn't have the same ceiling with with Zion playing more minutes. uh, Drew doesn't have the same ceiling. I'm just saying, like, if you just kind of look and see as Zion's minutes ramp up, the production of these guys goes down because Zion's so uh, involved, which they want him to be. He's kind of the face of the franchise. I really wish they could find a way to get Brandon Ingram – and Zion kind of in more of a flow uh, so that they could play together a little bit better. I think that's the secret in the sauce for this team for DFS purposes, though. I, I still want to play some Brandon Ingram. I still want to play some drew. I just can't quite take the fade, even though I feel like Zion is kind of messing up their production because of the, the how this game could go. Uh, you know, both of these guys could get 45 fantasy points, easy in this spot. Uh, I, and I'm just being honest with you. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel completely comfortable with it. But I have to set my bias aside and understand that uh, this game environment could yield some pretty big fantasy production. Same thing for Reddick. Same thing for Josh Hart. You know, good game environment could put up some 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 good performances. I agree. Again, good game environment. It's hard for me to pay 93
0: for Drew tomorrow on DK with Zion. Zion is just uh, the wild card here and I think – I mean, it's good for GPPs. The team totals are high. Holiday won't carry a lot of ownership at 93, I don't think. Zion, like, listen, it's just kind of simple math. If Zion shoots 20 times in 20 minutes. You know, that's another – You know how many shots from the other, of the other starters is he going to take away? At least four, you know, five. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal. When the ball goes in, he's a pretty underrated passer. But typically with the balls in his hand – It's probably going up. It's probably going up. So I I think the Pelicans are a good GPP play. Ingram, uh, I I like Lonzo the most, I think, just per dollar at 74 in a fast game like that. Still waiting for that 50-point ceiling game. Don't know if we'll see it. uh, But, you know, I I like the Wizards on that side of the game uh, to build with, for sure. For sure. All right, Boston-Toronto, last game of the night. Jason Tatum, 3,000 in the first quarter a couple nights ago against the Nets. toronto I've uh, been playing pretty well in the bubble. So maybe
1: we're in for a nice nightcap on Friday night. Listen, I actually really like this game, especially on FanDuel. Prices have come down, folks. Prices have come down. We've got Kyle Lowry at $7,200. Uh, Fred VanVleet is 7200 We know Kimba's back tomorrow. He's 4800 Have to check and see. He's probably still going to be on a minute's limit. Pascal Siakam. 7,500. I know I'm talking about both sides of the ball at the same time. Jason Tatum, 7,500. We haven't seen that since he's been in the bubble. Jason Tatum has been over 8K. Believe it or not, folks, this is probably my favorite game on the night if everybody plays. I know that seems crazy, but I'm all about stacking this game on FanDuel at these prices. This game could get really competitive uh, for the long run. These are some of the better players on the slate. Uh, I know Sacramento at Brooklyn could be a shootout. I know Washington at New Orleans could be a shootout. I know OKC at Memphis could be a shootout. But Boston at Toronto just feels like a really competitive spot. I think Lowry. I think Jalen Brown. I think Siakam. I think Tatum. I really like these guys on FanDuel at these prices. Um, You know, Justice is handling DK, but on FanDuel, folks, this just feels like the Boston-Toronto late-night hammer at these prices. Uh, I love this game. I'm looking at Fred Van Fleet.
0: And for a guy that was hurt for quite some time is playing about 39 minutes a game in the bubble. This guy's a machine. You're thinking, okay, against the Lakers, he had 5 of 11 shots. Then he shot 50% from the floor against Miami, a good defensive team. Then he was 8 of 13 against Orlando, a fundamentally fundamentally sound, slow team. So maybe you're thinking, he can't shoot 50% from the floor every game. Well, he had 10 dimes against Orlando. He had 5 rebounds and 4 dimes against Miami. He had 11 assists and 4 rebounds against the Lakers. He's had a steal in every game. He could shoot three. He gets to the line. He got to the line 13 times against Miami. He's just finding ways to do it. This is a six foot two guy who was undrafted out of Wichita State, who I loved. Him and Ron Baker and Cleanthony Early. There's a name drop. Carrying the shockers a couple years ago. Cleanthony Early, come Anthony on, Wichita. Early, baby. We're Let's taking go. it back. Hey, man, go ahead.
1: Ron Baker. Ron oh my gosh. Baker. Dude, Let's we're go. taking it. That was a good team, though. Was was that not a good I mean, man. Dude,
0: Kansas wouldn't play them for how long? They get to the tournament, they beat Kansas. Woo! I was so invested for a team. I never really watched. I was hooked. I I still love Listen, it.
1: Greg was it Greg oh Marshall the coach. Yeah, Greg Marshall, Greg man. Marshall, used to coach man. at Winthrop here in South Carolina as well. Let's Man, go. good night. I, I I didn't think we were gonna get some Wichita State shockers talk, but hey, that was a really know, good man. team. If if you if you're into college basketball, like that that was probably one of the most exciting. Uh, that was one of the most exciting seasons I think we've seen. But that that was a good team. Jeez, man, Cle Anthony early. Wow, we're taking it back now, dude. My man was good.
0: He he played the yeah. three, four. You know, he played. He had a brief yep. stint with. And him. then he, then he went to the Ron Knicks Baker and died for a little bit. He played. Yeah, it started Ron Baker, I think. But uh, they they hung around for a little bit and Van vastly- yeah, at the Knicks at the, mix. Fleet, the undrafted kid how do you not root from him? he's too small he isn't this and that blah blah blah. yeah kid's a gamer what absolutely game he might be one of the most underrated players in basketball if there's a top 50 list he's maybe he's not on it but in terms of if you need a win and i need someone to go all out i'm taking fred Banfleet. doesn't always help being draft kings i get it but dude stuff in yeah. the stat sheet because he goes all out every game.
1: yeah absolutely man absolutely what what a good segment! Get some Wichita State talking there. Wow! So this is our last morning grind before before the weekend,
0: and I, I can't look that far ahead because I'm still not done with tonight, and uh, Ooh, I'm it, not done it's the, Ooh, the Ooh, Thursday, buddy. and I, we got Ooh. Friday to worry about. But you know, any other thoughts about this Friday set of games before we talk about some food, real quick?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, listen, guys, you know I I, I want to kind of give you this manage that bankroll really well. Uh, We know that everybody's on on different levels in terms of, you know, how much you can invest game to game. Uh, But take it slow, man. You know, don't don't be afraid to fade the big tournaments and invest in some single-entry stuff, invest in some double-up stuff. While it may not be – uh, sexy on the surface. These are the type of things that can really help you to to build that bankroll. You know, imagine taking twenty five dollars and investing it into a single entry tournament and winning two thousand versus trying to play five lineups uh, in in a in a multi entry tournament and only getting back you know, double your money or one and a half times your money, you know, if you can kind of get hit the nuts uh, in single entry, typically you can do pretty well uh, slate to slate. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there that, you know, don't don't be afraid to miss out on a hundred thousand to help yourself build your bankroll up on the front end. I know we all want to chase it. But trust me, two thousand uh, dollars out of uh, a two thousand dollar win from twenty five dollars can help you get to that next level. Uh, or, or another way, if you if you if you really want to multi-enter, then take it slow. You know, you don't have to hop into three dollar, five dollar, eight dollar. You know, they've got twenty five cent contest, five cent contest, where you can really go and experiment and and try to hone your craft. You know, how I got good at uh, mass multi-entry was actually on DraftKings uh, in, in their mini max I mean, that's how I really got good at it. I just, I would go over there and practice, practice strategy, practice, you know, how I wanted to approach it. What were, what were my thoughts around it? And I looked for holes in my game to help me improve. So, you know, for those of you that are out there that, that want to kind of get into MME, you know, which is kind of where I've transitioned my game to over the years, then make sure you get out there and practice and learn and grow and pick people's heads, pick people's brains, uh, and and make solid decisions with that bankroll so you can stay in this injury industry because we want to keep you here.
0: Good stuff. Well, you couldn't have said it any better. And everybody builds their account differently. I grinded straight cash games for about two years before I started taking some shots, uh, and I'm just starting to go back to the well again to play some cash, just because it's the responsible thing to do. It is. I, I, you know, some sometimes you hear people say, "Oh, the cash lines and the GPP lines were the same." There's no point in playing cash. It's not always like that. That's a bad perception. But there's, how many times do you bubble GPPs, you miss by a point, you miss by two points, you miss by five points, and you're like, I would have crushed double ups, I would have crushed 50-50s. Yes, you yes. see the best names in the business playing double up, single entry stuff, head-to-heads, 50-50s. The best players in this industry play everything. You know, yes, there's, you there's no load it up, man. Play some double ups, go on a run for a week before you know it. Maybe you double your account. That's the way to go. It limits the damage. It's responsible. You made a lot of good points. Well, dude, Will, I know someone commented, Hey, stop saying, dude, I got excited when we talked about draft getting best ball the other day. So I just went out of my way to say, dude, now I said it twice. Anyway, I looked up national food day and there's oh, about buddy. half of each month. Apparently according to this website, has some kind of national food day every day. So I didn't know Ooh. I didn't know what I was gonna ask you. But one that we missed in July. Oh wow, chicken wing day and national lasagna day is the same day. We missed that. That's interesting. At least we nailed it. Oh that. man, I love some lasagna. Ooh, there's another dude for you. Yes. Man, I love some good Italian food for sure. My last name's Carlucci. What do you, what do you
1: think? <laughs> The Luch. Looch. The Looch. What's your favorite Italian food? You got pasta, lasagna, what do you, what's listen, it, it, it's absolutely lasagna. Uh, and I'm talking about almost any type of lasagna. Uh, I've had, you know, uh, you're traditional. I've had egg, I've had lasagna with eggplant, more of a, more of a vegetable based lasagna with spinach and mushrooms and stuff like that. Phenomenal. I mean, and the flavor in that, in that vegetable lasagna that I had, my goodness. Uh, I, Oh, man, I can still taste it right now. My brain is uh, sending the tasting signals to my tongue. I can literally taste the lasagna as I'm sitting here. Uh, You know, I've had a a predominantly all-cheese lasagna. So uh, I love lasagna, man. I've even had a Mexican lasagna, which was very interesting, might I add. Yeah, I mean, so they basically treat it um, um, like they're making like a, um, like a lasagna, but it's Mexican flavored. So, you know, you've got cumin in your beef. You've got, uh, you know, like that Mexican style flavor. Um, you've got, uh, they, they put a, obviously cheese in there. They put some sauce in there. Um, just stuff like that. I mean, re- they put beans in it, white beans, black beans, really good stuff, man. So I, I've had my share of different lasagnas. Obviously I know everyone probably isn't going to agree with with all of my choices, but I, I've tried them all just because I like lasagna so much.
0: You're barking up the right tree here, man. Uh, I'll eat pretty much any Italian food. Chicken parm's my go-to. You know. Oh, yeah. I had
1: some earlier this week, on Monday, actually.
0: There's, the best chicken parm is you know, in a family member's kitchen, usually, or something. Get that handmade, <laughs> man. Hey, but also, I'm not a big chain guy, but people knock off garden,
1: but it's really not that bad. I'll eat some olive. I'll go out to Olive Garden. Yeah, I, I like Olive Garden. Now I do like Maggiano's in terms of chain. Maggiano's. I like Maggiano's better. Um, Carrabba's is okay, but Maggiano's is probably my favorite chain uh, Italian place. But I, but I like Olive Garden, man. The chicken and Noki soup is good. Uh, chicken parm's good. Uh, hey, whatever floats your boat, folks.
0: Well, it's been a long week. It's been a good oh, week.
1: Man. We're going to have a good weekend. The
0: content's not stopping. The morning grand oh. will be on pause until Monday. But any last thoughts
1: before we head out? Nah, man, I'm good. Uh, guys, pray for me. Uh, we got a sweat going. I'm getting real close now. I was in like around 100th place when I opened up my app to check with Harden and, uh, and Kuzma still playing in the third quarter. I, I'm i getting close, folks. Just hang in there with me. Not going to screenshot it, but I, I'll definitely hit up the loots. And uh, we'll be back Monday. You'll know if I win. <laughs> All right. Will Priester, check him out on Twitter at Chief Justice06.
0: For Will and everybody else at our Rodo Grinders team here, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck and have a great weekend.